Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Let's turn today to Romans chapter 11, where Paul is dealing with what what happened to the nation of Israel. If you look at verse 1, it says, I say then, if God cast away his people, God forbid. And and Paul talks about how he is is an Israelite. And his his point here in Romans chapter 11 is that God's not done with Israel. Uh, that, That that nation of Israel that God had raised up in the Old Testament, that he had made promises to, uh, he's not he's not finished with them, and here in in uh, Romans eleven verse sixteen, it says, "For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches." And he begins to talk about an olive tree in verse seventeen and some some changes that have taken place in this olive tree. Let's just read down from verse 17 down to verse 25. It says, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert graft in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be graft in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? And he says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, throughout this passage, he's talking about an olive tree, and you've got this, this good olive tree, and you've got this wild olive tree, and branches being broken off, and branches being grafted in, and branches being cut off. And it's, it's significant here that he's talking about an olive tree. All right. Now realize that when you come to God's word, every detail is significant. God wouldn't have wasted the space to put the words there if they didn't mean something. There wasn't a reason for them to be there. And there's a reason why he refers here to an olive tree and not to some other kind of tree. Uh, you know that the trees, trees in general in the Bible often represent men, but specific trees represent specific things. Uh, in fact, I want you to, to put, a, put a mark here in Romans 11 and go back to the book of Judges. Go to Judges chapter 9. Here in, in Judges 9, um, you have, if, if you're familiar with the book of Judges, uh, 
you know that this was a period of time in the history of the nation of Israel when they did not have a king. Well, here in Judges chapter 9, um, in, in Shechem, they try to make uh, a man named Abimelech king. You see in verse 6, it says, All the men of Shechem gathered together in all the house of Milo and went and made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. And when they told it to Jotham, he went and stood in the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice and cried and said, Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. And he tells them this parable about some trees. He says in verse 8, the trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. And they said unto, first of all, the olive tree, reign thou over us. But the olive tree said unto them, should I leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? And so first they they approach the olive tree and they say, we want you to be the king over all the trees. Now an olive tree, what, what you think of, at least in the Bible, when you think of olive trees is you think of olive oil. Right? And it was olive oil that, for instance, was uh, uh, burned in the tabernacle, in the, the lampstand or the candlestick there. Uh, olive oil was used for anointing. And, in fact, oil and olive oil are associated with the Spirit of God. And so, in this parable, as these trees first go to the olive tree, they're trying to set up a spiritual authority. But you see that the the olive tree, the olive tree says, should I leave my fatness? By the way, Romans 11 talks about the fatness of the olive tree as well. And he, he talks about by that fatness that God and man are honored. And the olive tree there will not reign over them. The olive tree, when applied to Israel, the olive tree represents spiritual Israel. And in fact, spiritual Israel would be typified by the prophets. You know, the prophets, um, they weren't like the priests. The priests were, were kind of just functionaries in the, in the temple. Um, but the prophets, they had the spirit of God in them. And they spoke the word of God and they spoke the, the, the things of the spirit of God. And so the, the prophets in Israel typify that, that olive tree there. And the olive tree represents spiritual Israel, okay, the spiritual aspect of the people of Israel. And, and you see that the olive tree is not going to reign over them. Now, God had given prophets. He gave them prophets long before he ever gave a king, all right, but they didn't listen to the prophets. And, and here you see the, the, the olive tree does not come to reign over them. Uh, verse 10, the next tree, the tree said to the fig tree, come thou and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit? And go to be promoted over the trees. The fig tree represents religious Israel. You see, he's concerned with his sweetness, his his good fruit. And God gave Israel a religion. Okay, that that religious system would be uh, typified by the office of priests. They were the functionaries in that religious system. Um, But you see that the, the religious system, religious Israel, does not does not come to be the one that reigns. Uh, So then in verse 12, it says, Then said the trees unto the vine, Come thou and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? 
Um, now, the vine represents the national aspect of Israel, their government. It would be uh, found in that office of king. Okay, and and you know before again you see a you see an order here before God uh, set up a king or set up a religious system he gave the prophets he later sets up a religious system that's in place for a long time before he ever gives them a king and and they have that kind of a kind of a national government but that's what the vine represents is that national aspect of Israel but you see here. Uh, even even the vine and all of those systems became corrupted. That's, that's the idea here. You see how each of those trees, as they're approached to have the preeminence in Israel, they become, they're so wrapped up with themselves that they aren't willing to, to, to take that position. And so finally in verse 14, then said all the trees under the bramble. Now a bramble is just a, just a, a thorn bush, right? They said said to the bramble, come thou and reign over us. Now, finally, they're going to find somebody that's willing to reign over them. And the bramble said unto the trees, if in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now, you remember where the brambles came from? It wasn't until Adam sinned and the world was cursed that there were thorns on the earth. That's where the, the bramble comes from. The bramble is a part of the, the curse. Um, remember when, when Christ died on the cross, they took a crown of thorns and pressed it down on his head. That was him, in, you know, symbolically, that was him taking upon him the curse of sin. That those thorns that represent that curse, he took upon him. And here they approach the bramble. Now, if you can imagine these, these trees, you know, an olive tree, a fig tree, and they're going to go to, to, you know, this thorn bush and say, you be the ruler over us. We want, we want you to be the ruler over us. And you see the bramble's more than willing to be ruler over them. The bramble represents Israel in apostasy. It represents Israel in rebellion, in, in wickedness. And, and the bramble says, if you're going to anoint me king, come and put your trust in my shadow. Now, can you imagine, a, you know, even the, I mean, fig trees and olive trees aren't necessarily great, great big trees, but it talks there about the cedars of Lebanon. Can you imagine those trees putting their trust in the shadow of a bramble? Right? I mean, you could maybe put your trust in the shadow of an oak tree or something like that, a shade tree. But can you imagine those trees coming and they're going to put their trust in the shadow of that bramble? And the reason he tells the story is he's saying, you're rejecting all these other things that you could turn to as the leadership in Israel and you're putting your faith in the bramble. And he's saying, be careful that you don't get burned. Fire's going to come out from the bramble and it's going to devour you and it's going to devour Abimelech also. Um, now, in that, in that parable, again, you have those, those various trees. Now, I just point to that to make the point that here in Romans 11, and let's go back there, he's not talking about a vine. He's not talking about a fig tree. He's not talking about Gentiles being grafted into Israel's religion. He's not talking about Gentiles being grafted into Israel's nation. And certainly, he's not talking about the bramble either. But he's talking about that spiritual as the, the spiritual source um, of the nation of Israel. Uh, the, when he says here, Romans chapter 11, 
And he said, he talks about the root. He says, if the root be holy, so are the branches. Verse 16. If the root be holy, so are the branches. And he's talking about the source of spiritual holiness, righteousness. Okay? And that's what we as Gentiles are grafted into. That's what we're grafted into. We now have access to that spiritual source that Israel had access to. And you see, it says if that root is holy, that's what's going to make the branches holy. And verse 17 says, if some of the branches be broken off. Now, it's important to understand that this is not talking, the branches here are not individual believers. The individual believer cannot be broken off from God, broken off from Christ. There's a, there's a security there. But what's being described here is the, the you could say the, the access, or you could even say the agency of God. You know, God always has his agency. An agent is someone who acts on behalf of someone else. In the Old Testament, God's design was for that nation of Israel to be his agency in the earth. And he would bless Israel, and, and the goal was for the Gentiles to see that blessing and come and to receive the overflow of the blessing, the crumbs that fell from the table. That was, that was the goal there. Now, Israel refused to function as that agency. They, they uh, turned away from God into rebellion. And so that when you're at the beginning of the book of Romans, rather than saying that the Gentiles bless God through you, he says to his, Paul says to Israel, the Gentiles blaspheme God through you. I mean, why would they want to come and worship the God of Israel when Israel is in bondage and subject to this Roman Empire and, and they're, a, you know, they're a, a defeated people? Why would anybody want to, want to worship their God? And so Israel had failed to function as that, that agency of God. They weren't bringing forth the fruit because they were cut off from the root. All right? And so what, what he's going to describe here is a, a process that God has done to this tree so that it can bring forth fruit in the world again. He says that some of the branches were broken off. It says, verse 17, if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest, of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Now, this is actually kind of a rare thing that's being described here where you would, where you would uh, graft branches into an olive tree. Now, most of the time when you're talking about grafting trees, you're talking about root grafting, right? So that when you, buy, when you go down to the nursery and you buy a fruit tree, uh, you have that graft line, right? And you see where, where there's a root stock and then you have the, the fruit tree on top. The reason they do that is that oftentimes when you're talking about fruit trees, the trees that produce the best fruit are not often very hardy and they don't have real strong roots. And so they take a different kind of tree to provide the root, and then they take this tree that's going to produce the, you know, the good apples or whatever and graft that to the root. Now, sometimes there are some trees where they do grafting of branches. Um, like you can take citrus trees and graft branches from, from different kinds of citrus trees, and you can have one tree that will have oranges and grapefruit on the same tree because they're similar enough that, that you know, that orange tree will support a grapefruit branch, and you can, you can graft in like that. But, but for an olive tree, uh, this is something, at least in, in modern agriculture, that probably would hardly ever be done. But the reference seems to be, there are some references in, in ancient, ancient literature 
that this was something they would sometimes do if a tree, you know, often an old tree, can stop producing good fruit. And a wild tree, you know, the, the, the cultivated tree, the, the uh, domesticated tree, is, again, it, it produces better fruit, but it's not always very hardy and, and that kind of thing. Uh, sometimes the wild trees are more resistant to disease and, and other things. And so they would take and, and take off some of those old branches that weren't producing fruit anymore and put on some branches from a, from a wild tree in order to rejuvenate the tree. And that's, that's the idea that's taking place here. And so there's some branches that are broken off and some wild olive branches that are grafted in among them. Some branches that used to belong to a, to a wild olive tree that are now put into this, this good olive tree. Now again, if you think of the olive tree as this spiritual thing, this spiritual source, you've got some branches here that used to be a part of a tree that had a, a, different, a different spirit, but now it's grafted in to this tree. And it's talking about the Gentiles being grafted in. Now, it doesn't say that all the branches were broken off. Because you remember, you had a believing remnant. And here as Paul writes this, there was a believing remnant of Israel. You still had those 12 apostles. And you still had, when, when Paul goes to Jerusalem there at the end of the book of Acts, or toward the end of the book of Acts, James says, you see how many thousands of Jews there are that believe and are all zealous of the law. Right? So they weren't, they weren't all broken off. But some of the branches were broken off and some, some Gentile branches have been grafted in so that now those Gentile branches that used to have their life from a different root, from a false spiritual root, now they partake of the root and fatness of the tr- this good spiritual olive tree. And the warning to those Gentiles in verse 18 is to boast not against the branches. Just these, these Gentiles that have been grafted in can't boast against Israel. All right? Because it says, if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Saying, remember, remember what the order is here. The root doesn't get its life from you. You get your life from the root. Okay? So you're not, you're not better than those other branches, those branches that were broken off. He, he says, well... Uh, or verse 19, thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. And, you know, it's important that when we understand, the, he's really describing a dispensational change here, where is that, you know, that uh, nation of Israel was cut off, set aside, and the Gentiles are, are uh, grafted in. And it's important that we realize that we don't think that we somehow have something to boast about against the natural branches of the tree, okay? Uh, he says, you know, you, you might say, or you will say, those branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. And he says, well, you know, that, okay, that's a good statement. But remember, he's, he's warning there, they were broken off because of unbelief. And he says, thou standest by faith, be not high-minded but fear. Don't start thinking that you are better off than them. The only, the only reason you're better off is because you have now a, a, an attachment, an access to that root, right? That, that's the only thing that, that uh, is going to allow these wild branches to bring forth fruit. And he says, If God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Now again, remember, it's important to, to 
to remember in this passage, he's not talking about individual believers. He's not saying to the individual believer, you better be careful because if you stop believing, you're going to be cut off from the tree. That's not what he's saying. Um, what he's saying is that God, there was a time when God was using this nation of Israel. They didn't bring forth the right fruit. Now the Gentiles are grafted in. And he's warning that there's going to come a future time when God's going to cut off the Gentiles and Israel, the natural branches, are going to be grafted back in again. So this period in which, in which we live is a temporary period of time, and God still has some things he's going to do with the natural branches, right? He, so, so he warns, he warns us, the wild branches, uh, to take heed. It says in verse 22, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Now, um, one thing that people have taught out of this passage is they have said that, you know, the, the end of the dispensation of grace is going to come as a judgment on, on the church, okay, for not, not uh, adhering to the root there, not bringing forth the fruit. And they say that on the basis of the phrase there, if thou continue in his goodness. But let me tell you that, Verse 22 is not talking about the works of believers at all. When it says, if thou continue in his goodness, in, not in your goodness. It doesn't say, as long as you continue in your goodness. It says, as long as you continue in his goodness. Now, how did, how did you and I, as, you know, as a part of those wild branches, how did we get into God's goodness in the first place? We didn't get into God's goodness by our goodness, we didn't get into God's goodness by, you know, by how we perform or anything like that. And we don't stay in God's goodness by our works. When it's talking about continuing in God's goodness there, God's goodness has extended to the Gentiles purely as, a, as an act of his grace. And God, you very much see the, the, if you want to think of that, agency of God turned right around today from what it was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, all the focus was on Israel. And Gentiles came through Israel. Today, all the focus is on the Gentiles. Paul says, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to uh, me for you Gentiles, right? The focus is on the Gentiles. A few verses up in, um, in Romans chapter 11, verse 13, says, For I speak to you Gentiles. Uh, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office, verse 14, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Now in the Old Testament, God was blessing Israel so the Gentiles would see it and be drawn to God through Israel. Today, God's working among the Gentiles. Paul says he's preaching these things among the Gentiles so that Israel will be provoked to emulation. Now Israel's not left out today, but Israel comes to God today by, as it describes here, uh, Paul saying he wants Israel to emulate the Gentiles, right? He's provoking them to emulation by these things going on among the Gentiles. Um, that's, what, that's why in uh, uh, Acts chapter 10, when Peter goes to the household of Cornelius and, and Peter preaches to them and they receive the Holy Spirit and start speaking in tongues, Peter looks at that and he says, Wait a second, that's something that belongs to Israel. What's, what are the Gentiles doing that for? And 
Peter later relates back to that and says that was to show him that there was now no difference. See, God starts taking Israel's things and doing them among the Gentiles. And that was assigned to Israel. And Peter, in uh, Acts chapter 15, says, he says, we believe that that, uh, by the grace of God, we, Israel, shall be saved even as they, the Gentiles. It's not Gentiles get saved through Israel anymore. Now, if an Israelite's going to come to God, they basically come as a Gentile, just one of the nations. They've been, they've been set aside by God. Their special position that they had above all the nations, they don't have for the time being right now. And, and so, how did the Gentiles get into the goodness of God? It was by God's grace. But see, God isn't going to be dealing with the Gentiles that way forever. And so... When Paul talks here about continuing in his goodness, there's going to come a time when God is going to cut off the Gentiles in the same way he previously cut off Israel, or broke off Israel. Uh, He's going to cut off the Gentiles. And you see, verse 23 says, They also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. And so this situation today, where the wild olive branches have been grafted into that tree, is a temporary thing. God can, can cut off what he's doing now, and he can go back to those natural branches. And so verse 24, again, he just kind of, kind of reiterates the, uh, the, the temporary nature of that. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be graft into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, and verse 25 is now where he gives you the, the point of the whole, the whole uh, passage there about the olive tree. He says, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Now remember what a mystery is. A mystery is something that was previously kept secret. There was nothing, there's nothing in Old Testament prophecy. You find things in Old Testament prophecy about God telling Israel that they're going to be not his people, but you don't find anything in Israel or anything in Old Testament about God grafting in the Gentiles in their place. You don't find anything about that. It's a mystery. And, and Paul says, uh, he doesn't want us to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. If you don't understand this mystery, you may, you may become conceited, arrogant, boasting against those branches. But he says, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until when? Until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And the fullness... To, to bring in the fullness is a biblical term for bringing in a harvest, right? So you, 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 know, you have the crop out there. In this case, the crop would be the, the uh, olives, the olive tree. And you're going to bring in the fullness of that olive tree. You're going to bring in the, the fruit of it. And there's going to come a time when God is going to bring in the fullness of the Gentiles. He's going to gather in that fruit of those wild branches. And you see, until that time... Blind, it says blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And, and I believe that that term there, the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, is a reference to that catching away that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And that is what ends this period of time where God is dealing now with the Gentiles in a special way. And after that, 
those natural branches become grafted in again. He begins to deal with Israel again as he did before. And you see the very next verse, verse 26, says, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer, shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. And you see, there is a future salvation for Israel. Now, it doesn't mean that every Israelite is going to be saved. This is talking about a national salvation that God is going to work for that nation of Israel. And that that nation, there is a salvation for that nation. The deliverer, it's talking about the the second coming there when it says there shall come out of Sion, the deliverer. uh, Because between the time when the fullness of the Gentiles is brought in and when that deliverer comes out of Sion, there's a time that's described as a time of Jacob's trouble. It's described as a a time of greater tribulation and and trouble than there's ever been on the earth. But out of that, you're going to have a, a salvation that God works for that nation of Israel. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.